1775, John Peter Muhlenberg preached a message on Ecclesiastes 3.1. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. He closed the message by saying this. In the language of Holy Writ, there is a time for all things. There is a time to preach and a time to fight. And dear saints, this is a time to preach and to fight. The title of today's message is, Church is Essential. No government, no president, no governor, no congressman, no judge, no man, certainly no mayor or governor, can declare church unessential. Church is essential to individual Christians, to the body of Christ as a whole, to our most atheist and anarchy-filled burning city, to our wicked state, and to our demoralized, degenerate, and disintegrating nation at large. Church is essential. Christ is king. Christ is the head of His church. Christ rules His church. Christ purchased His church with His blood. Christ created the cosmos and then condescended to enter into His cosmos through the womb of the Virgin Mary in the form of sinless man to purchase His church at the highest price. He suffered the fullness of the wrath of the Almighty Father for sinners on the cross. He died. He paid the wage of sin, which is death, in full. He was buried. He rose again the third day to save His church from their sins. For death could not hold the author of life. He ascended on high to sit at the right hand of the Father as the one mediator between God, holy, 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 and sinful mankind. He rules there over every star, planet, creature, sparrow, disease, Adam, and son of Adam that He created for His own glory. He rules there over every nation, every state, every city, every man, every woman, and every child. He rules there over His church. He is the highest authority. He is the highest authority. There is no authority that defies King Jesus. He will soon return as King of kings and Lord of lords. Every knee will bow to King Jesus. Every tongue will confess His Lordship. Those who confess Him as Lord in life will know forgiveness of sin and abundant life forever under the fullness of God's love in a new heaven and new earth in which only righteousness dwells and there's no more disease, no more death, no more pain, no more tears and no more tyrants. Those who continue in their rebellion against the Father and His anointed Son shall perish in their sins, shall die, shall bend their knee to Christ, shall confess Him as Lord, and shall receive the due penalty of their sin, the wrath of the Lamb. As Revelation 14 warns, the smoke of their eternal torment will ascend forever and ever, and there will be kings and presidents and prime ministers and congressmen and women and governors and mayors amongst them. In the midst of literal conscious torment in hell, where the smoke of their torment will ascend before Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, forever. All to the glory of God, until our King's 
glorious return. We are to gather beneath our King. We are to worship our King. We are to learn of our King from His revelation of Himself and His coming kingdom. We are to congregate with the King's subjects for our mutual blessing. We are to learn to observe all that the King has commanded together. We are to learn His methods for advancing His kingdom in the earth. We are to learn His methods of warfare, to wield the sword of the Spirit, to take up the shield of faith, to put on the full armor of God, and to march as to war for the advancement of Christ's kingdom in the earth. That's the mission of the church. And no earthly government can thwart it. I wrote the following email to the church, March 13th of this year. I stand by that counsel. How should a Christian respond to COVID-19? Pray, read your Bible, do a reasonable amount of research on the virus, subjugate your research findings and all rumors and news reports, especially those you get from the internet, beneath the truth of God's Word. God's Word is true. Men are liars. Trust God who holds the entire cosmos, all life in it, every sparrow and your precious life in His hands. Take responsible precautions according to your own understanding, circumstances, health and conscience. Don't ridicule or anathematize people because they're more or less cautious than you are. Love your neighbors with action and truth. Remember, non-believers have every reason to be terrified. They're one disease, China virus or another from eternity under God's wrath. Love your neighbors with action and truth. Remember, non-believers have every reason to be terrified. They're one heartbeat from eternity and hell. Proclaim the certain hope of the gospel. Use words. Use tracts. Use amplification if possible. Believe Jesus. Obey Jesus. Witness like Jesus. Let me add to it. Worship as Jesus has commanded you to worship. Congregate as Jesus has commanded you to congregate. Because we can't long neglect worship and congregating before we're neglecting the gospel, before we're neglecting the Christian life in its entirety. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this last Friday, Pastor John MacArthur released a controversial article in which he called Christ Church Universal to stand against tyranny, to stand against the government's overreach of their authority. And at the conclusion of that article, which I trust you have read, but you'll hear it today, he said, Our prayer is that every faithful congregation will stand with us in obedience to our Lord as Christians have done through the centuries. And I want to once again reiterate what I've twice written to you already via email, our church will be part of the answer to Pastor John MacArthur and Grace Community Church's prayer. All services will return to pre-pandemic design and ours as of today. If you're risking leaving your home to go to other, quote, essential places, I urge you to consider going to church as essential as well. It's time for Christ's church in America, sea to shining sea, to stand up for Jesus against tyranny as soldiers of the cross. Is it possible that someone at Pastor MacArthur's church, other churches, or even at our own, will die of the China virus? Yes. That can't be ruled out. Is there risk of a deadly car wreck or deadly disease when you go to work, go to the grocery store, go to visit the 
extended family that you love, or leave your home for any, quote, essential reason? Yes. Is it reasonable to continue to drive your car and go to work, to the grocery, to visit family, or to any other essential destination? Yes. Is it reasonable to go to church? Yes and amen. Not only reasonable, essential. 16,000 cases of China virus have been reported. I said reported. I did not say there are 16,000 cases of the China virus in Oregon. 16,000 cases of the China virus have been reported and 285 people have reportedly died in our state of 4.3 million people. Think about that. 285 out of 4.3. And again, that's reportedly died of coronavirus because reports are being exaggerated. They are being deceptively exaggerated. 285 is 0.00662906976744.2% of 4.3 million. Are we really going to stop worshiping the king because of that threat? Think about that and bear in mind the number of pandemic deaths are almost certainly being significantly inflated for political and financial reasons. In comparison, over 50,000 auto accidents were reported and 489 Oregonians died, violent deaths in their cars last year in our state of 4.3 million people. That breaks down to this. 489 is 0.0113720930235 6% of 4.3 million. At this point, your chance of dying in an auto accident is significantly higher than your chance of dying by the China virus. And the signs alongside our highways should read, Park your car now. Parked cars save lives. <laughs> now you laugh, but our entire state is under the terror of the China virus. And they see these signs, they drive by these signs, they see these commercials, they see actors and actresses that they respect, which is a mistake. And news commentators, they respect, which again is often a mistake. And politicians, they respect, which again is often a mistake. Telling them, stay home, save lives, mask up, save lives. Park your car, save lives. Far more people have died in car accidents in the state of Oregon than from the China virus. We cannot forget that 825 Oregonians died by their own hand through suicide in 2017. And that's an average year. 825. 825 is 0.019, I'll stop there, percent of 4.3 million. Significantly more than the China virus. Far more people have died through suicide into the state of Oregon than from the China virus. Statistically speaking, it would be just as or more reasonable for all the billboards alongside our roads and the highways to say, Hug your neighbor! Hugs save lives. In fact, when you consider that 528 Oregonians died violent deaths with firearms in 2017, it would be far more logical for all the signs alongside our roads and highways to say, turn in your guns, save lives. Are we ready to do that? 
Are we ready to give up our cars? Are we ready to give up the Second Amendment and turn in our guns? Then why are we ready to give up the church of Jesus Christ? Why are we ready to give up the gathering of the saints to worship the King? Why are we ready to give up the fight for the advancement of the kingdom and the earth, for the glory of God and the salvation of souls? It's a completely reasonable risk to own and use guns, to own and drive your car, and to go to church despite the real but negligible threat of gun violence and gun accidents, auto accidents, and the China virus and every other known virus. It is completely reasonable. Dear brothers and sisters, we must remind ourselves of our Lord's true words and take heart. Hear your Lord, Matthew 10, verse 29 through 31, are not two sparrows sold for copper coin and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. So much of the body of Christ, along with the unbelieving world, is living in a state of total fear and panic. Do not fear is the command of the Lord Jesus. For it's a denial of your Father's sovereignty, it's a denial of your God's sovereignty over your life that not even a hair from your head falls to the ground that He does not allow. Not even a sparrow falls from the sky that He does not allow. You'll not lose your precious life before the time the Lord has ordained. Now, of course, that could be abused. It could be abused. I encourage you to wear your seatbelt. I encourage you to use your safety Meaning, don't put your finger on the trigger until you're ready to fire the firearm. Downrange any target that you can see. And yet, we have an unprecedented panic taking place around the globe, across these United States, in our state, in our city, in the non-believing world and in the Christian world alike. A panic that is not justified by reality. It is not justified by reality. Yes, there were saints that have lived and died before us that for a season ceased to meet because of actual plagues that were wiping out whole communities. But they ceased to meet for a very brief time as a rule and got right back to meeting. And many of them didn't cease to meet at all. And many of those in the clergy, many of those ministers of the gospel pressed right into the fray as the Lord would have them. Believing the Lord Not even a sparrow falls to the ground apart from the Father's will and that the very hairs of our head are all numbered. Dear brothers and sisters, we must remind ourselves again that church is essential to individual Christians, to the body of Christ as a whole, to our most atheist and anarchy-filled burning city, to our wicked state, and to our demoralized, degenerate, and disintegrating nation at large. Our nation needs the church of Christ to stand up in faith. Our state needs the church of Jesus Christ to stand up in faith. Our city needs the church of Jesus Christ to stand up in faith. Your neighbors need the church of Jesus Christ to stand up in faith. And you, individual Christians, need the church to stand up in faith. And you need to stand up in faith with it. We languish 
as logs pulled out of the fire, we quickly smolder and burn out when we separate from the body of Christ. And the universal, the universal effect on an entire society, on an entire nation, state, and city is catastrophic. Again, that one statistic, far more people have died from suicide alone than have died of the China virus. If you want to say every life matters, even one life, if even one life is saved, then get into church. Get into church. Invite your neighbors to church and go greet every neighbor and bring them the gospel of Jesus Christ because they're dying for the lack of hope, for the lack of joy, for the lack of seeing another human being's face with a smile on it. They're dying out there. And if you think 2017's suicide statistic is going to be lower than 2020's, then you're not conscious. Just like we see the murder rates increasing exponentially across these United States in our cities, the suicide rate will increase and is increasing as well. So let us love our neighbors, dear saints. There are other states that are larger. You hear a lot about Florida. Florida has over 20 million residents. And the officials in Florida are pumping up those numbers of COVID cases and deaths. They're liars and the truth is not in them because they have a political and a financial agenda. California has a population of 40 million people. It's larger than many of the countries of the world. And so you hear about 8,000 people dying of China virus in California. Well, if that's true, and it's not, but even if it was, it's out of a number of 40 million people. Yes, every life matters, but what's the suicide rate? What's the murder rate in California? What's the drug overdose rate? We must remind ourselves that church is essential to every individual and to every society as a whole. In Psalm 122, it says this. May this be your heart. May it be mine. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. By the grace of God, from my spiritual conception, I have been glad to go into the house of the Lord. And it's been hard to get me out of it. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. That's the heart of God's saints. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord, because there I worship my king. There I learn of my king. There I'm equipped with my king's armaments to be my king's soldier when I leave the company of my king. I leave to go advance the kingdom. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us consider one another. Let us consider one another to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. I see the day approaching. I see the day approaching more than I've ever seen it. Now again, as I prayed, it could be decades, it could be centuries, but it would seem the day of the return of the king draws nigh. And I don't want to be found hiding. I don't want to be found cowering in the days preceding the return of the king, trying to get as much life as I can get, trying to live as long as I can, trying to be as safe as possible. Find me anywhere in the Bible where God calls his saints to be safe, where that's like the moral impetus. Now, I mean, there are here and there some things where, yeah, I would argue Paul was lowered in a basket because they were going to kill him. But he came back another day to preach. 
There are other days, of course, where Paul presses into the crowd and they're going to tear him apart, but that's okay. The Lord has compelled him to go. He's going to preach anyway. But the overwhelming command of God and the direction of God's kingdom, God's kingdom Israel, God's kingdom the church, the overwhelming direction is they're marching as to war. They're marching to advance the kingdom of God. They're risking all, life, limb, property, family, friends. They're risking all to advance the kingdom for the glory of the king. Old and New Testament. That's the theme. That's the story. And that's the glory. I don't want to miss the glory. I don't want you to miss the glory. Hiding. Don't miss the glory of the story that you're part of. You're part of that glory. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Stirring up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, exhorting one another, loving one another, encouraging one another, all the one another's done here in church together as we see the day approaching. Even if you don't believe Christ is soon returning, even if you don't believe Christ is soon going to set down in Israel and rule and reign with a rod of iron, soon you will stand before Him and give an account. Either way, the day is approaching. Either way, the day is approaching and soon you're going to stand and give an account for your life. You're going to give an account to your king. How many months do you want to have hidden out? How many weeks? It's 20 weeks now. 20 weeks. I don't want to spend many of the weeks of my life hiding out. I really don't. And I don't want the world to see that. You know, some of us non-charismatic, conservative, reformed folk, we've mocked our charismatic friends. Where's Benny Hinn now? Why isn't he clearing out the hospitals? Why do we need any drugs? Why do we need any beds? Why do we need the doctors? Where's Benny Hinn? Where's Todd Bentley? Doesn't he have a good punch or a kick on hand? Why isn't he working his karate healings on folk? They're all hiding. But you know what? So much of the non-charismatic churches as well. And initially, mind you, initially not knowing how truly dangerous this is going to be, I understand that. I get that. Yep, it's reasonable. But now, at this juncture, we've seen there's more going on here than a virus. So much more. Do you not see? So much more. And not just in the United States, around the globe. If ever there was a time the church needed to be the church, the time is now. The time is now. In Acts chapter 5, verse 29, it says this, But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. They said, Look, don't preach in this name anymore. Don't preach the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ anymore. And certainly don't get together and plan how you're going to go out and conquer the world with that message, that gospel. Stop. Cease and desist. The government has spoken. And they said this, We ought to obey God rather than men. Now, again, there are punctuated times. If the building's burning down, the fire department shows up and says, get out. Don't dig your feet in and say, we ought to obey God rather than men. And that's the kind of thing that this is being likened to. But that's not a just comparison at all. John Calvin said, obedience to man must not become disobedience to God. Okay, sure. You don't want us to meet Okay, we'll stop. We'll think about that. We'll see what's going on. But you know what? 20 weeks and no end in sight. And then there's this. Precedence. Precedence. Now for every new virus, every new flu season, they're going to 
close Christ Church? No, they're not. They're not. There's also the complete injustice going on. The gym my family has membership in has been allowed 293 occupants. 293 occupants can go in the gym, can sweat, can breathe as hard as their lungs, can, can muster on the treadmill or the bike or whatnot, unmasked. 293 people. But churches, hey, 10, 5, 25, whatever, or not at all. And no singing. No singing. No, the injustice. Because they don't value church, they value gym. The injustice, they value bars with kino machines. Bars that make the state revenue with gambling machines so those bars can be open. The injustice, the liquor stores never closed. They kept giving out their peace through liquid courage, I guess, to see them through COVID. The marijuana dispensaries, peace through dope, they never closed. They're doing great, in fact. They want the world to have peace through medicine, peace through alcohol, peace through drugs, but not peace to the Prince of Peace. Cut the world off from the Prince of Peace. That cannot be. That cannot be. Pastor MacArthur titled his article, Christ, not Caesar, is head of the church. A biblical case for the church's duty to remain open. And he says this, Christ is Lord of all. He's the one true head of the church. He is also King of kings, sovereign over every earthly authority. Grace Community Church has always stood immovably on those biblical principles. As His people, we are subject to His will and commands as revealed in Scripture. Therefore, we cannot and will not acquiesce to a government-imposed moratorium on our weekly congregational worship or other regular corporate gatherings. Compliance will be disobedience to our Lord's clear commands. That almost sounds like John Calvin. Obedience to man must not become disobedience to God, John Calvin. John MacArthur, compliance would be disobedience to our Lord's clear commands. And that is true, saints. It is true. And I'm gracious for those who disagree. I I love them, but I want them to pray and truly reconsider their position because it really is quite clear. Unless you're a CNN addict, if you listen to lies all day, you're going to believe lies. They go down to the inmost part and they rot you. And there's plenty of lies on Fox News as well. If you listen to lies all day, you're going to believe lies. Be careful what you believe. Here's what I believe. God's Word is true, and I'm suspect of everything else. Here's what I believe. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. So we have a question of authority. Man's authority? Government's authority? God's authority. Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now the most obvious application of that is evangelism, is missions, is gospel work, going therefore to make disciples. But hear me, the church is doing this every time, the true church, is doing this every time it gathers. We're building up the disciples. We're equipping the disciples so they then can go, therefore, to make disciples. We're teaching them to observe all things that He's commanded so they can then go and obey what He's commanded. 
And so this is the basic mission of the church. And it's beneath the lordship of Christ. He opens his great commission, command, by declaring that he has all authority in heaven and earth. Universal, absolute, supreme authority. No exceptions. Go therefore and make disciples. And so, of course, that's my heart to keep evangelizing, to keep bringing the gospel to a world that is terrified, a world that is perishing, a world that is suicidal, a world that is hemorrhaging everywhere in every way. But hear me, saints, that's only part of this great commission. The gathering of the local church is part and parcel of it as well to continue that discipleship, to train them up so they can go out and be those disciples. And our witness will wane, our zeal will wane and wax, melt if we're not in the fire, if we're not burning together for Christ, congregating together, encouraging love and good works. The chief good work, the Great Commission, the chief good work, advance the kingdom, the declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 10, Christ outlines Christianity for us, what He designed for Christianity. He says in verse 16, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And we think, of course, of those government officials that oppose Christ. And we rightly think of that. The Roman government, the Jewish government, opposed Christ, and Christ's followers suffered as they went out amidst those wolves. But here there's other threats. There's thieves, there's robbers, there's actual wolves on those streets and roads that He sent them out into. There are threats. And yet Christ sent them forth to face those threats. Verse 21, he says, Now brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death, and you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. That's the theme of Christ's church, endurance. That's the theme of Christ's church in the Scriptures, risking all for the advancement of Christ, recognizing there are threats to life and liberty, recognizing there are threats and pressing on for the glory of Christ and for the redemption of sinners because Christ has called us to. Verse 27, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Again, speaking of men who would oppose the gospel, but now those men are coming opposing the gospel, mind you. The same men who are saying, You can't go to church are men who, by and large, oppose the gospel. Now, the reason you can't go to church is because of China virus, because you're going to hurt people. But again, the statistics and their application of those statistics unjustly do not support their arguments or their tyrannical shutdowns of Christ's church. Christ calls us not to fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Souls matter. And yes, lives matter. And lives are being lost from a great many other causes. And our nation, mind you, is being lost while we all stay at home. It's being lost for the lack of the testimony of Christ's church. The freedom you see waning and the anarchy you see growing is a direct relationship to the weakness of the testimony of the body of Jesus Christ. It is a direct relationship to God chastening our nation, not because of the lesbians and homosexuals, not because of the fornicators and adulterers, not because of the abortion clinics 
and the mothers who abort their children, but because of the church. Judgment begins with the house of the Lord. Judgment begins with cowardly preachers who preach safely behind the pulpit in the context of the gathering of the local church, but will not carry the gospel of Jesus Christ out to the world that's perishing. Will not say to the church, follow me as I follow Christ, and carry the word that they are dying without to them, to be the word of life that they might live. We have been given more freedom in God's providence than any people that have ever lived. And it was given as a gift to advance the kingdom of God. And we have enjoyed a Judeo-Christian construct. Our laws built upon the laws of God and the blessings have flowed. They have flowed. And we have gotten complacent and cowardly and weak and self-loving and apathetic. While the blessings flowed, we shut off the source of those blessings, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for a few generations, we continue to enjoy those blessings. But that has come to an end. God is chastening America. Not because of America's sinners, because of America's saints who will not go there for. Who will not die to self. Who will not risk all. Who will not suffer for Jesus. will not suffer for sinners. Who will not suffer to rescue babies. will not suffer the shame and scorn, even, of an unbelieving world who insist on being friends with the BLM movement, who don't show up at the BLM protest to preach the one true God and His gospel and to call them to repent and be saved, but show up there to support them in their anarchy, support them in their homosexual agenda, support them in their anti-God Marxism. That's what Portland's preachers are doing. They hit the streets for BLM, not for Jesus. God rebuke them and remove them and replace them with true men of God. Or remove their candlestick and remove the flock that they're deluding into thinking that they're following Christ as they follow this false shepherd. True shepherds are obedient to the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. They're all about that great commission. They're all about obeying He who has all authority in heaven and earth and going therefore. What we're seeing in America, the demise of America, it's all around us, not just in our city. It's all around us. Now, we are at the heart of it. We're in all the news broadcast. But the demise of our city and our nation is due to Christ church being silent, self-loving, self-centered, apathetic. Christ church staying home. When you see Marxist rioting the streets, you need to hear in your ears, go therefore and make disciples. When you see people terrified of the China virus, you need to hear, go therefore and make disciples in your ears. You need to press in, not back up. Jesus said, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. Whatever you hear in the ear, preach in the housetops. And do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will. See, I offered you comfort earlier from that, and you liked it. You liked it. But what's the context of that comfort? What's the context of that comfort? Radical obedience to the great commission of Jesus Christ, risking all, life, liberty, property, 
risking all for the advancement of the kingdom of Christ. That's the context of that comforting word. Not even a sparrow falls to the ground. Not even a hair falls from your head. Do not fear, therefore, you're more value than many sparrows. You don't have a right to that comfort. You don't have a right to that comfort if you'll not obey your king. That's not meant to be a comfort for those who choose easy chair Christianity, for choose survivalist Christianity. That's a comfort to Christ's warriors. As is, lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Some of you might feel, some of you out in the world that will listen to this later, or maybe some even here today, you might feel far from Jesus. You know where Jesus is? He's out there rescuing sinners. Get out there for Christ and you'll feel the presence of Christ. He's still on mission. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and He's still doing it. He's still doing it. He has sent His Spirit not to woo. He sent His Spirit to regenerate. And His Spirit works through the power of God's Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. If you want to be where Jesus is, then go therefore and make disciples. If you want to see His hand work, if you want to feel His presence, then stand up for Jesus. And the very least we can do is stand up and get to church. That's where we get trained and equipped. We get our sword sharpened again. We get our armor polished back up. Get the dents out of our helmet. Take up that shield again, having pulled those arrows out of it that are stuck in it. That we might march to war. Jesus continues in Matthew 10.32, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Again, I warn our conservative, non-charismatic Christian world, I warn even as we mock our, our radical charismatic healers for not being out healing, where are we? Why aren't we out with the balm of Gilead preaching Christ crucified. The world is perishing. Our cities are burning. Our nation is being ripped apart for the lack of King Jesus ruling in their hearts. Hear me, our constitution is just paper. It's paper and ink. Without King Jesus ruling in the heart, our constitution will never stand. This United States will dissolve. The freedoms we know are freedoms meant for a Christian people. These freedoms cannot prevail for a non-Christian people. You're seeing the demise, not of the West, you're seeing the demise of the effects of the witness and reign of Jesus Christ. The witness of Jesus Christ that led to the reign of Jesus Christ in the hearts of men. When that is removed, the Constitution is insufficient. There is no police force sufficient. Now, mind you, these evil forces are crying out against the police. Now, remove the police. Remove parents. Disallow parents even that remain to discipline their children. So you still have removed parents. Even if there are some parents, they can't discipline the children. So remove parents. The God-ordained government of parents. Remove parents. Remove police. And remove God. And remove church. I mean, this is the perfect storm for Satan. That's what's going on here. And our Marxist friends who are filling the streets, our BLM friends, our rioting friends, they're crying out against the family, they're crying out against the police, and they're crying out against God. It's satanic. And much of the church is crying, stay home, stay safe. Well, they need to start crying, park your car, save lives, hug your neighbor, 
save lives. Turn in your guns, save lives. Statistically speaking, guns, cars, and suicide have killed far more Oregonians than the China virus. We need to wake up. There's a satanic movement afoot. Christ said in verse 34 of Matthew 10, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. We want perpetual peace and safety. Christ says, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. In verse 38, he says, He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. I'm all in by the grace of God. Let's get all in. He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. So much of the church, they're finding their life. I mean, their life, living longer, is their number one priority. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. It is not reasonable to respond to the China virus in the way that the world is commanding you to respond to it. So what is that in Matthew 10? That's Christianity as defined by Christ. That's the real deal. That's the stuff that turned the whole world upside down in a generation. That's what Christ came to establish in your heart, in this city, in this state, in this nation, and on this planet. That, by the way, is what made this nation. That's what made this nation. That Christianity. Saints, Ephesians 1.22 tells us all things are under our king's feet. Our king is the head of everything. The father put all things under his feet. Individual, family, church, state, all under the feet of Jesus. And gave him to be head over all things to the church. Ephesians 5.23, our king is the head of his church. It says, Christ is the head of the church. Ephesians 5.24, the church is subject to Christ. It's subject to the king. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, he, Christ, is the head of the body, the church. 1 Timothy 6.15, Christ is the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Revelation 17, 14 warns us that there are those who make war with the Lamb and comforts us that the Lamb will overcome them. He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Those who are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. Revelation 19 tells us of that time He will come and put mankind's rebel insurrection beneath His feet. And the blood will flow as the sword of His mouth brings judgment and He will rule and reign with a rod of Iron, and he himself treads the winepress. He himself personally treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What we're seeing, and I've preached it recently, so I'm not going to preach it again, but what we're seeing out in the world, what we're seeing across our nation, what we're seeing in our city is Psalm 2 before our eyes. Let me just read it. There's a global rebellion afoot against our king. Sexual perversion, BLM, atheistic, Marxism, etc. And it's all part of Psalm 2 
coming to realization, coming to fruition before our eyes. It says this, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then He shall speak to them in His wrath and distress them in His deep displeasure. Yet I have set my holy king on my holy hill of Zion, says the Lord. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give to you the nations for your inheritance and the kings of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. As Christians, our king is Christ. Second to Christ and always beneath Christ. As Americans, our king is the Constitution, not the president, not the Congress, not the justices or judges, not the governor. And the First Amendment of our Constitution says, quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That's our Constitution. Our president, our senators, our representatives, our justices, our judges, our governors, our mayors, and every citizen in the United States is subject to that paper king. That's the king of America, beneath King Jesus. And it says, there shall be no prohibiting the free speech of Christ's church, or Americans in general. There shall be no abridging of the freedom of speech, and there shall be no infringement upon the right of the people to peaceably assemble. And dear saints, there we stand. Given rights by God, our Constitution and the founding document that preceded it are built upon our Creator's God-given, God-established rights. The right to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. The inalienable right. It cannot be removed from us. It cannot be taken from us because God has given it. And that's the uniqueness of America. That's the uniqueness of the Declaration of Independence. That's the uniqueness of the Constitution. That's the uniqueness of our nation and its jurisprudence. It's built upon a recognition of God the Creator giving rights to men. God the Creator creating mankind in His image, and therefore mankind is valuable and precious as image bearers of God. And thus has certain rights, the right to life and liberty and pursuit of happiness, including the Second Amendment, the right to assemble and to speak the Word of God as religious institutions. Our governor, Kate Brown, said this regarding the vital importance of Oregonians to exercise their First Amendment rights over and above the need to social distance. 
I think it is critically important that Oregonians and Americans exercise their right to free speech. I'm outraged, like many of my fellow Oregonians, with the lack of progress we have been able to make tackling the issues of racial injustice in this state and in this country. And I think it's critically important that Oregonians express that frustration that anger and that outrage. It took my breath away to see the photo of Oregonians this morning on the Burnside Bridge. That is how we change hearts and minds and change systems and change cultures. I want to encourage protesters to stay safe, and that means continuing to wear your face coverings. If you feel that you need to be out in the streets to maintain social distancing six feet apart to the extent possible. A great number of them aren't wearing face masks, and there's been no enforcement at all, and social distancing is absolutely and completely absent in the riots that have filled the streets. But Kate Brown is celebrating the protesters' First Amendment right to gather and to communicate their outrage and their anger and frustration. That is valued. But Protestants, Christians, gathering to worship the Lord, gathering to preach the Word of God, gathering even to minister the gospel. In some communities, they have been arrested. In some communities, they have been shut down under the guise of China virus concerns. But riots continue. One of my personal friends was arrested for inciting a riot. Now, the riot was a BLM riot that was already going on, but he happened to be a few blocks away preaching the gospel at an abortion clinic, and they arrested him and cited him for inciting a riot. That's the kinds of injustices going on in this current culture. Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler threw all China virus social distancing mandates to the wind and joined Antifa rioters outside Portland's federal courthouse last Wednesday night, telling them that he stands with them against the federal law enforcement officers no matter what, quote-unquote. They rewarded his stand by throwing trash at him, cursing him, and with calls for his resignation. He stood with them anyway. Mayor Ted Wheeler joined the rioting BLM Marxist anarchist in what he would call their expression of their First Amendment rights and got tear-gassed by federal officers. Unfortunately, the officers stopped short of arresting Ted. Portland's Antifa mayor and his lawless, violent, vandalizing, window-smashing, city-burning, rioting Antifa friends should all be arrested, jailed, tried, and put in prison. That's what you do with terrorist criminals, assault private citizens, assault police officers, blind them, blind them, throw munitions at them, throw Molotov cocktails at them and at the federal building they're guarding. You arrest them when they assault private citizens, assault police officers, destroy private property and destroy city property. Elected Antifa anarchists, are even more dangerous than the Antifa anarchists who have been on the streets for the last 55-plus nights. When our elected officials openly unite in support of criminal acts on the streets and unleash their Antifa friends to destroy the city, it's time for federal authorities to arrest them all and to restore law and order. There is an insurrection afoot. And there are elected officials leading out the insurrection and then standing in front of cameras lying to the press saying that the rioters did nothing to provoke the federal agents, the federal police, and their gas attack, as if the federal officers are attacking the rioters and provoking the rioters. And that's not unique to Ted Wheeler. That's across our nation in every liberal city where these rioters and their riots are taking place. 
the mayors are standing by, the governors are standing by, allowing them to destroy property, allowing them to harm and kill citizens and officers, and they're standing with them and supporting them and feeding the fires of their anger, even when they throw trash at them and call for their resignation because they have a goal. They have a goal in mind. Pastor MacArthur continues in his call for churches to stand up. He says, Some will think such a firm statement is inexorably in conflict with the command to be subject to governing authorities laid out in Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2. Scripture does mandate careful, conscientious obedience to all governing authority, including kings, governors, employers, and their agents. And so far as government authorities do not attempt to assert ecclesiastical authority or issue orders that forbid our obedience to God's law, their authority is to be obeyed whether we agree with their rulings or not. In other words, Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 still bind the conscience of individual Christians. We are to obey our civil authorities as powers that God himself has ordained. However, while civil government is invested with divine authority to rule the state, neither of those texts nor any other grant civic rulers jurisdiction over the church. God has established three institutions within human society, the family, the state, and the church. Each institution has a sphere of authority with jurisdictional limits that must be respected. God has not granted civic rulers authority over the doctrine, practice, or polity of the church. The biblical framework limits the authority of each institution to its specific jurisdiction. The church does not have the right to meddle in the affairs of individual families and ignore parental authority. Parents do not have authority to manage civil matters while circumventing government officials. And similarly, government officials have no right to interfere in ecclesiastical matters in a way that undermines or disregards the God-given authority of pastors and elders. When one of the three institutions exceeds the bounds of jurisdiction is the duty of other institutions to curtail that overreach. Therefore, when any government official issues orders regulating worship, such as bans on singing, caps on attendance, or prohibitions against gatherings and services, he steps outside the legitimate bounds of his God-ordained authority as a civic official and arrogates to himself authority that God expressly grants only to the Lord Jesus Christ as sovereign over his kingdom, which is the church. His rule is mediated to local churches through those pastors and elders who teach His Word. Therefore, in response to recent state orders requiring churches in California to limit or suspend all meetings indefinitely, we, the pastors and elders of Grace Community Church, respectfully inform our civic leaders that they have exceeded their legitimate jurisdiction and faithfulness to Christ prohibits us from observing the restrictions they want to impose on our corporate worship services. Said another way, it has never been the prerogative of civil government to order, modify, forbid, or mandate worship. When, how, and how often the church worships is not subject to Caesar. Caesar himself is subject to God. Jesus affirmed that principle when he told Pilate, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. John 19, 11. And because Christ is head of the church, ecclesiastical matters pertain to his kingdom, not Caesar's. Jesus drew a stark distinction between those kingdoms when he said, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Mark 12, 17. Our Lord himself always rendered to Caesar what was Caesar's, but he never offered to Caesar what belongs solely to God. As pastors and elders, we cannot hand over to earthly authorities, any privilege or power that belongs solely to Christ as head of the church. Pastors and elders are the ones to whom Christ has given the duty and the right 
to exercise his spiritual authority in the church, and Scripture alone defines how and whom they are to serve. Pastors and elders have no duty to follow orders from a civil government attempting to regulate the worship or governance of the church. In fact, pastors and elders who cede their Christ-delegated authority in the church to a civil ruler have abdicated their responsibility before their Lord and violated the God-ordained spheres of authority as much as the secular official who illegitimately imposes his authority upon the church. In short, as the church, we do not need the state's permission to serve and worship our Lord as he has commanded. The church is Christ's precious bride. She belongs to him alone. She exists by his will and serves under his authority. He will tolerate no assault on her purity and no infringement of his leadership over her. All that was established when Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Matthew sixteen, eighteen. Church is essential, dear saints. And that's part one. Because I want to search the scriptures further with you. And I want to search the founding fathers of our nation with you. The quotes I have before me are powerful and precious. You need to have your eyes opened again, for some of you, and your eyes opened for the first time, perhaps, for some of you, to what this nation was built on. It was built on the foundation of God's Word. It was built on the power of the Gospel to change hearts and bring us beneath King Jesus. It was a miracle of God. And this miracle of God called the United States of America will only continue as we return. The church of Jesus Christ returns to a bold and zealous stand upon the word of God from the first verse to the last. We stand together gathering for worship. We stand together beneath God's word, being edified, trained, and equipped. We stand together going, therefore, going, therefore, to turn the world upside down. That's a quote from Acts. That's what he did. To fill their cities with the doctrine of Christ. That's a quote from Acts. That's what they did. That's our mission. And that mission is waxing and waning because the church is staying safe and staying alive instead of going, therefore, to make disciples and gathering to learn to observe all that he's commanded. That they might then go, therefore, to make disciples beneath the king. Church is essential.